Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is April the 9th, 2019. Welcome to the Bright Side with Technicia, and I am your host, Technicia Day. I have a pleasure to be here again with this wonderful woman who I have had on my show twice, and I'm so glad to have her back, Lynn Cochran Murphy. As an infant, she survived a tragic house fire that claimed her father and two sisters and left her with severe burns over much of her body. She lived most of her life with a severely depressed and alcoholic mother and through her stepfather being crushed to death in a lodging accident and her mother being murdered in a barroom robbery. After all she has been through, Lynn is radiantly happy and living a life of pure service to the world. Don't you think she could teach us a thing or two? That's right. She is here today with her new book, and I'm so honored to have that, A Journey with Matayo, Book One Awakening. We follow Daniela as he observes miracles and his friend Matayo, same deep inner peace and level of awareness that most of us try to see. He tries out all these suggestions from his friend, these spiritual practices, this awakens him spiritual nature and intuition into self-realization, something that is accessible to everyone today. Unlike her previous books, Living Hope and Unfolding the Mystery of Self, A Journey with My Tayo is fiction and a bit of a parable about what is possible for us all. Today, Lynn, as an intuitive healer and teacher, helps spiritually-minded people move through trauma, dysfunction, and loss and provides energy healing and divine guidance so they release suffering and old patterns to transform into living and wholeness of possibilities. She has a doctorate in education, is a licensed substance abuse counselor, an advanced level status healer, and course instructor. She maintains a private practice in Phoenix, Arizona, where she lives with her husband and cat. So join me in welcoming my dear friend, Lynn Cochran Murphy, to the show, Lynn I'm so happy to have you on today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to with you again and to hear your voice again. It sure is. Boy, how the time flies. And now you got another book out there. There's no stopping you, Lynn, at all. <laughs> right, so, and there's another so one following this one because this was book one in a series, and so book two will be out later this year. Wow. So let me ask, how many series do you think you're going to do out the book two? I think that this, um, the Journey with Matthew series will probably be three to four books. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm All hoping. right, Lynn. You fall here with your bad self. So, so, Lynn, what got you started with writing this book? What's the story behind all of it? Behind all the books or behind this one? Just behind this one. Okay. About the discovering of the potential within us, uh, fortunately Daniel sees his friend Matthew 
um, in action and from that realizes that he could have a deeper relationship with, uh, gosh, you know, different people call it different things, higher power, source, um, God, the universe. And although oh. Daniel was faithful and went to to temple and learned everything he was supposed to learn as a kid, he realized that he didn't um, have depth to his belief. He was just kind of doing what he was told. But through his experiences traveling with Matthew, he realizes it's a great depth to have in that relationship. I think a few of the other things that happens that changes Daniel so much is that he sees Matthew's love and compassion for humanity and his lack of judgment. And and he sees that and he says, my God, you know, what a beautiful way to be. I want to be more like that. And so he allows himself to grow and change. We call that awakening. You know, he's awakening to the, the true spirit within him, the true self within okay. him. And a lot of people are talking about this as a time period of awakening right now. Uh, I think that the book is meant to be a parable for what's happening in a lot of us. And then I'm glad you corrected that. When you look at that spelling, you wouldn't even think it was pronounced Matthew. I'm over here just saying all wrong, but I did get Daniel right. You know, I'm really sorry about that. I spelled it in uh, the ancient spelling of Matthew mm-hmm. because the time period is set way back in time. But, yes, I noticed I was being introduced the other day giving a speech, and the poor guy didn't know what to do with the word Matthew. <laughs> so, Right, and then when you go Google it, you won't think that when you go Google it, it's not going to be like Matthew, the M-A-T-T. H-E-W, that's interesting. I, I like it, though, because I would never have thought of that. Well, and the picture on the front of the book is to show an earlier time when um, roads weren't paved, when we didn't have okay. automobiles and and so on. And, and so a lot of the names, uh, the spelling of Daniel has two Ys in it in the book because it's the ancient spelling, yeah. Okay, I got you now, Lynn, because I was like, wait a minute, I know I'm messing it up somehow, and I totally just sucked on just pronouncing it. So how useful, how is it useful to others, this book? I'm sorry. Sorry, Lynn, did you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry about that connection. I was asking, how is it useful to others? Technician, will you repeat the question for me? I sure will, man. I was asking, how is it useful to others, this book? How is it compared to the others? Um, How is it useful to others? What ways okay. um, is providing help for others? Oh, okay. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I think... But for instance, there's a tragedy that occurs within the story. 
um, with a, a massive earthquake. And the two men set together to to help, to free people from trapped in buildings, to to get people to fresh water, to um, to cover their faces, and said that they're not breathing the smoke and the and the um, the dirt that's in the air. I think that watching them and their compassion and their willingness to take action to help others even to the point where they're exhausted. But that's a good role model for us, that when we're needed, and that happens all over our planet, that, you know, when Haiti had its earthquake and, and villages, communities were destroyed, people from all over the world went there to help. And the same thing with um, in the South, in the United States, with the different hurricanes, mm-hmm. particularly with Katrina. You know, people drove from Oregon to go down and, and be of assistance, not not for anything, any reason but to to be of service. So I think that there's a model of that in the book, and it's a beautiful thing. At one point what, what, in the is. book, yeah, it, they show us ways to live. And Matthew, every once in a while, reveals what it is he's doing, because Daniel asks some questions like, why did you stop and talk to that man? You know, why were you holding his arm? What's going on? And Matthew just explains that I was, I knew I was supposed to be here now, and I was, I noticed that man, I knew he needed help, and, you know, I did that. I took care of it. So that happens throughout the book. At one point, uh, Matthew stops and talks to a child who is destructive mm-hmm. in passing through a village where there's um, some kind of illness, and you can, it's all, it all feels like almost like a plague or something. And there's a child okay. crying, and Matthew stops and explains to the child how to pray so that healing will occur and everything will be okay. And so the the child just, you know, is beaming, lights up and runs back in the house to be with her family so that she can share this. So there's just so many examples of what our faith can do for us. And then at the same time, Daniel, who's like, then questions his own faith. Like, I don't have that deep of faith. I don't have that at all. So, but it's not... um, meant to be in the form of religion, because I don't name any religion okay. in it. Um, right. It is meant to teach, to encourage people to question what they've been taught. You know, because the stuff okay. that we were taught when we were children doesn't make sense as adults, yeah. but if you don't question it and see what does make sense for you, then you're kind of right. underdeveloped, I guess. You want to be more than that. Right, right. I agree with you, Lynn, on that. You do have to question that doing your own research. You don't just step in and answer. That's why I tell my twin dollars that all the time. Oh, well, Mom, they said, right. like I said, you need to go and make sure that's the truth. I mean, anybody can tell you anything. They can tell me the sky green. If I haven't seen the sky green, I'm not going to believe you, until I know for certain that that's actually that sky is green. But, you know, man, right. I'm surprised because out of your three previous books, Really, this is the first novel. So, 
who is actually the intended audience for this? Could, could my could my thirteen year old um, read this book? Yes, they can. In fact, the person that helped me um, get it to uh, a number one best selling status on Amazon, uh, she really yay. marketed it towards teenagers. Because the two okay. fellows in the book are about 19, 20 years old, so they're young, and they're unmarried, and so they're, you know, they're out on adventure, like, hey, before we settle down and work for the rest of our lives and be married and have children, let's, let's go see what there is to see. That's their motivation. They head out on adventure. So in that respect, in the fact that there's no sex scenes, there's no dirty language. It's a really clean book. Right. So it's good for young people. Yeah. Right. And it's especially I, you know I I, I was gonna say, man, I I believe that as well because with days and times now, the way these children are going, I see the millennials man, they headed for a straight destruction and some of the things I tell my daughters all the time, they'll end up hearing it from other people and I and I tell them I'm not trying to tell you nothing wrong or stop you from having a life as a child. The thing that I'm teaching you right now, you're going to grow up and probably question it because we, all, we probably all had the same thing done to us with our parents. You know, why my mama doing this? Why this way? And now as you get older, you see why some of the things were taught the way it was or the values that you learned or the, even the beliefs, even the beliefs. Now, I had one of my coworkers say, you know, her mom taught religion this way, but as she grew older, she started researching more on Christianity. So you learn as you grow. There's going to always be something out there that you're going to question. And you should yes. have a question behind it because if you're not questioning it, there's something wrong. Question everything. It don't matter. I agree. I really do. I think part of what affected me, and I've talked about this with my earlier books, the nonfiction books, uh, was that I saw my parents and other family members uh, require me to go to church. And so I went to several different kinds of churches, you know, like one relative was Methodist and one was Catholic. And so I went and I, to all these different churches for um, and was exposed to that. But at the same time, I saw that the great grief that my mother and some of the other family members carried because of their losses, the losses that you mentioned earlier, um, in the introduction, that they weren't getting the solace that they needed from their belief system. And that caused me to change and say, well, okay. Uh, well, and besides that, they didn't usually go to church anyway. Um, they might consult with a minister or have been raised going to church, but most of them didn't continue as adults. In fact, they went to the bar more often than they went to church. So I said, if it's not working for them, then what is the answer? Because I believe there's there's a there's a something bigger than all of us, and I I want to know what that is and how to have comfort from that. And so I learned all kinds of wonderful things after that. I studied um, with Pentecostals, so I learned about the Holy Spirit. I studied with Buddhists, so I learned about the law of cause and effect and this concept called karma. And then it started making, life started making sense to me. And I got answers that brought me a great deal of comfort. And so now when life happens, even when things aren't going well, 
I feel like um, there is this magnificent force in my life that creates everything, that is everything, and I can trust it. I can trust that everything's going to be okay, even when it doesn't feel very good. So that questioning process um, made a huge difference in my life. I was thinking about my affirmations this morning. My mentor told all of us listeners on the live, he said, face it until you make it. I'm going to have to go back because it was so interesting. You know, we always say fake it until you make it, but face it until you make it. Something to wonder and ponder on when all you said, even when you're going through bad times, you always smile because you know somebody has your back. Regardless of what religion you uh, go for, I don't go into debates on who people believe in or what you want to call God. Whoever makes you happy, then, then you go for it. But I'm very surprised that, like I said, you came out with the novel and the inspiration that you get to write these, these books is, is amazing. Like, where does the spark come from, Lynn, when you get ready to write? Does it come from previous conversations? So you're asking where where does the spark come from? Is that what you said? Yes. Where, does you, where do you get your enlightenment from to just say, hey, I'm about to sit down. Mm. I'm going to write this book. Because mm. it's a whole other level. This is a novel. Mm-hmm. With each of the books, I've sat down and um, I've done two things. One is I had such a wonderful relationship with my grandmother. So in spirit, I asked her to come and guide me and help me write this next book. And um, and then I just open myself and be willing to just tell just to write or tell a story and see what's going to come out. Because each time I never really knew. The first time I had an what? idea, but after that I mm-hmm. never knew what I was going to write, and I just let it flow through me. So with this one, I was quite surprised because after I wrote um, a bunch of pages, I paused and went, "Oh my gosh, I'm writing fiction. I'm writing a novel. <laughs> I've never done that before." It's the, just that inspiration, you know, that there's a message. People um, want to be comforted. They want to be given hope. They want to um, get ideas about, well, how how can I move forward and how can I be happier and how can I be closer to, to source and so all that. And it's just, um, yeah, it's what's supposed to come forward. And my books aren't especially complex. They're not, um, you know, like a no. James Michener. They're not deep and, and go on and on and on. Well, they're kind of deep, but they're not complex. And so I think it Why makes did- it easy, whether it's a teenager or a, an older person, um, to get everything that they, they need out of it. Why? Right, true. Right. They don't have to worry about, let me go look up this and try to understand this is simple. It's right there to the point. <clears throat> but like I said, I would think I said, Lynn has done it again. She did it. Bam. That, here it is. We're on book one. A- Awakening. Because not only are we intrigued with just the title, and of course you listen to her, you fell in love it. So when you go, you already have that feeling in your mind. Okay, I'm not going to be looking for Matthew the way you see it biblically. 
Why the subtitle? Um, yes, yeah. So the the journey with Matthew is really about the first book, right? That he's on a journey, and it's both literal and figurative. So that part of the title will continue with each book in this series, A Journey with Matthew, which is interesting because it puts so much emphasis on Matthew, but Daniel's uh, the other main character. Book one, Awakening, it's that um, Daniel, through observing Matthew and asking questions and doing the things that Matthew encourages him to do, Daniel experiences an awakening of spirit. He goes from a person who's more of a sheep to a person who's rich and deep in his own experience, and his eyes open to to the vast amount of love available, to the power of compassion, and how he can make a difference in the world. He didn't know that originally. Are you there? Yes, Lynn, I apologize. I had a little disconnection. Um, but I'm <laughs> okay. just so glad that even after book one, you're going to be going to book two because, of course, you know, we get anxious as readers. We be want to know what's, what's going to happen next. This is a journey. This be a journey for us. I love a good novel. Mm-hmm. Now, um, is enlightenment possible, though, Lynn, when you don't live a monistic life? Mm-hmm. I think that spiritual growth or personal growth is always possible as long as we're not rigid, as long as we're open and we ask questions. We look at people who have um, the characteristics that we want and we try to be more like that, then absolutely we can move further and deeper into you know, and let me back up and say, you know, what is enlightenment? I think enlightenment is where you're more open to the truth, the, the truth with capital T, and that you see life accurately versus, you know, the messages that you get from the television, that you should go eat hamburgers and you should buy more makeup and get some more cool clothes and your house needs to be better than the neighbors and you know those kind of messages no enlightenment is about um, seeing the truth of what's important so yeah everybody can have that and no we don't have to live in monasteries or be monks or nuns to have that what we do need is some time for contemplation um, right. Time for meditation. Yeah. Right, connecting with that, connecting with the source. I feel that although some might take it on a biblical note, we're not we we're not directing the novel to uh, biblical things. Not having a debate on what religion this book might be, and we're talking about someone who can heal from a higher source of power. To Daniel, like, okay, what's really going on? I just seen you hear this gentleman on the wagon. I don't understand. And like you said, now I got to question this. Can I do the same thing? Is that possible? 
I believe we all can. It's just about, like you were saying, learning about meditating and not meditation like the yoga, but actually getting in a deeper corner, sometimes taking a, a couple of to a couple or a few hours to yourself meditate. Even my upline in one of my business, she always speaks on that. You have to meditate, not only do personal development, but actually meditate. And, you know, I, it don't go one after the other, but I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, that's going to take some time for me. Just sit sit down and be quiet for a few hours and listen to yourself, get with God and speak with him. So, yeah, it, it takes it takes a lot up here mentally. It's a mind, to me, it's always been a mindset. But I noticed that you, you you use words like source, creator, and consciousness yeah. as if they're interchangeable with God. Why is that? And I and and before you get to that, man, I always I have spoke on that because my coworker told me that she said when you call him where he is when you're talking with him, creator, the source. You know you got to call yeah. him with Yahweh. With some Yahweh, Yahweh. She always tells me that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, why is it that you use those words, though? I met so many people that religion was forced at them when they were young, and it didn't. Wow. They didn't feel invited in. They didn't feel the love or the amazing gifts that come with with having faith. They they felt forced, and they didn't like it. So... And, and it sounds like you've met people like that, too. So out of respect for them and to be able to talk with them, I do use the other words. In fact, I have a couple of friends who are more scientific of mind. And so the, when uh, they use the word the universe, yeah, so they'll talk to the universe. Now, to me, that doesn't work because there are multiple universes and you know, so it's it's too limiting for me. That just doesn't work. Um, but it does for others. So I try to be respectful of that. When I work with clients, I ask them what word do they want to use, and then I use that word with them. I don't want I don't want to offend, and I do want to be able to communicate. So I mm-hmm. use source and creator most of the time, but I have never found um, a ideal word. You know what, what? One word I do like is from the Star Wars movies, the Force, because oh, yeah. it's something you can't see or touch, but it's something that's real and magnificent. So, yeah, a, a bevy of words, and then just using which ones work for the people that you're communicating with. Right. That's what Daniel is learning through all of this process that you got to connect to. A- a source, a creator, God, whatever you prefer to call God, you have to connect to some type of source, find, find that connection, whatever works for you, whatever your term is, for that, and and go with it. Find your intervention, as they all like to say. Now, you also, I love that you use terms like awareness, consciousness, oneness, and true self. These are all, con- all connected, all becoming one step, self-evaluating yourself. Aren't they? But aren't they a little different? Differently between each one? Oh, no, that's a good question. I think that a lot of the terms we can use interchangeably. I think that we have consciousness. We are a consciousness, and I think that the way that I view myself 
has really changed with my spiritual studies. So it, you know how you grow up and you just think that you're your mother's daughter, you're your father's daughter, and you're part of a family, and then you realize you go to school and you connect in high school and college, and you realize that you're part of something greater than that. And then you start looking inward, and you realize there's such depth to you and that you're connected, particularly if you had spiritual studies, you're connected to something greater than you. Within that process, eventually it switched in me from thinking of myself as a person and as a body. I think of myself as a spirit now, that I am conscious energy. And it's more than just consciousness because when people die, their essence still exists. So... That's how I feel now, even though I'm very, you know, I drive a car and go to the grocery store and I make dinner. But I feel like spirit. So that's what I think is true self. So I do use that term quite a bit now. Because my true self is never totally, and I think it's true of everyone, we're never totally disconnected from source. Mm -hmm. Because we couldn't exist without that, and we do exist, and that's how we were created. We are part of that, and it will never let us go. It's like a parent who doesn't ever completely let their child go, and how um, a child can mess up and a parent can forgive them 995 times, you know? So I think it's like that, that we're totally, permanently connected to something greater than ourselves and we can be as wayward as we want and we can always come back to our true self and grow and be a contribution to the world. I I believe everybody will 100% agree with that. Yes, they would. They would because if you look at it spiritually, this is just the body. This is all this is. We're just yeah. we're just borrowing right now. When you go, that spirit automatically leaves that body. That's all we're doing. We bought we borrowing. That's why you're trying to build that temple. That's your temple right there. All that yes. you encounter and and whatever toxins you put inside your body, don't abuse it. Do not abuse that temple. That's all you're doing. You borrowing it. it's gonna have to be returned. We all have to go back to those <laughs> ashes. So you you speaking yes. it right there when you said on two self. I definitely am down with that, Lynn, all the way on true self. Um, but in your opinion, can what I, is a spiritual you, practice? Oh, well, just before that, that I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, I had an experience with an elderly cat I had. She was about 19 years old, and her kidneys were failing. She was very, very ill. So I took her in, and I had them give her an injection so that she would pass and I was holding her in my arms, and it was so interesting because she weighed, you know, like maybe seven pounds at that point. And um, they gave her the injection, and she got lighter in my arms. And then the doctor confirmed she had passed. And I thought, that's amazing that whatever that essence is, 
the, her true self left her body, and her body just felt very light and just a little bag of bones and fur. I didn't know that it would make a difference in how she felt, how much she weighed in my arms. So I think that's one of the many things that convinced me. So um, you were asking about spiritual practice. Spiritual practice is different for everybody. Everybody gets to do their own thing. That Because some people really like the ritual. Um, Catholics have a lot of ritual. And, and then there are other churches that have so much song and rejoicing and praise. And I know I feel when I sing, um, usually by myself, but <laughs> sometimes with groups, that I really feel the spirit and the energy in the music. So that's a spiritual practice. For me, it's meditating. It's meditating prayer. It's breath work. Sometimes I do Kriya yoga. Other times I do meditation. I love it when Oprah and Deepak Chopra have those free 21-day meditations. There's a um, a Kriya yoga teacher in Northern California who has uh, 40-day yoga challenges that cost a dollar a month. So it, any of those, if they open your heart and help you to be more of your true self, then it's good stuff. I think theologians, through study, um, some of them have a real spiritual connection, but some of them do it through more through intellect. For me, it's it's more through the heart, although I've studied a lot. But if my heart didn't open, then this would be a whole different discussion, right? Because it would be going mm-hmm. from intellectual stuff instead of spirit. And I think spiritual practice evolves over the years. There was a time that I practiced Buddhism and um, chanting was the main mode that um, we had to do twice a day. And I rarely do that anymore, but it's an option. And who knows what I'll go back to or go change to in the future. Right now, it's the meditation, prayer, breath work, the, the three main ones. There's a workshop that I'm um, doing several times this year on how to access your own higher guidance for all those times when uh, we don't know what we should do. Like you get a job offer and you're not sure should you jump at this one and this isn't exactly where you thought you were going to go. Or for Uh me it's like uh, when I go to buy a new car and I'm all excited because I love it. It's a convertible and it's this and it's that. And I don't trust my judgment at those times. So how do we access our higher guidance? And that would be part of a spiritual practice, too, is how to get still, get quiet inside, and then know what's best for us. And for me, that takes getting quiet and connecting with source and asking for the highest truth for me, I that I can trust. So in the workshop, I talk about that you can do that through um, journaling. 
You can do it through watching for synchronicity. You can do it through uh, meditation. You can do it. They even talk about um, being able to ask a question before you go to sleep. Their answers in their sleep, and they wake up the next day just knowing this is what's right for me. Uh, the point is, is that we really want to know what is our highest truth and what is right for us, because it could be different than the person next to you. Maybe they should buy a convertible and I shouldn't, you know. So being able to get that information and um, a spiritual practice makes that easier. Oh, well, awesome. Um, Lynn, you also live by a couple of um, principles that that most probably would say that they practice themselves um like the practice of praying, the practice of energy healing. Mm -hmm. Theta healing is a technique that was created by a woman named Viana Stibble, and she has trained me in it. It is a really powerful tool. We can change our limiting beliefs. You know how many people believe that they're not really enough, that they're not smart Mm -hmm. enough, they're not capable there, etc. That's the kind of thing that we sit and we talk about it, really getting honing in on exactly where that person got that message. And then there's a, a theta brainwave state, which is um, it's a state that monks that meditate every day, that they are in, in those meditations. So we learn how to do that. I use that brainwave state. It's also the same state that as if you're asleep, but we use it while we're awake. And through that, we do prayer, and we ask to have that belief changed, and we ask Creator Source to give them Creator's truth and understanding on who they are and how much they're worth, how important they are, that they are enough. And miracles happen, changes things dramatically. So that tool is good for physical healing, emotional healing, um, changing beliefs. People come to me with relationship problems. You know, I'm not happy in my marriage kind of thing. Uh, gosh. Or, or I know I'm limiting myself. I'd like to do this, but I've never been able to attain that in my life. How do I get there? Can you help? So those are the kinds of things we do with Theta Healing. It's it's miraculous. And I teach people how to do that same thing, how to get into the Theta state and to um, create their lives the way they want from that place. So it's it's my favorite healing tool at this time. I've been trained in Reiki and a lot of others, but Theta Healing is my favorite. Well, see, I'm going to have to definitely start trying to get into a little bit of those myself so I can become with the the self-love. It's always good. you got to take out time because I always tell everybody else, you can't have self-love, you can't have true self if you don't even know where to start from. And a lot of times... We don't. We don't know who we are because we don't take our time to reevaluate ourselves. But I'm hoping that all readers who get this novel 
Well, take out that time and understand it just the way Daniel is starting to question everything and becoming understanding of the source of Creator God and all. Now, now, do, um, Lynn, do you have a blog or have a newsletter out? Oh, I do. My website is Lynn L Y N N E Cockrum C O C K R U M hyphen Murphy M U R P H Y dot com. Do you know what's easier probably is going to desertjewel dot org. That would be than trying to spell my name. So just desertjewel.org will get you to my website. And there you'll find there's a free report that I wrote, a special report. There's um, a newsletter. There are blogs. And so you can search around. you see what some of the classes are that I offer. And that um, I do healing work with people and counseling, because I'm a licensed substance abuse counselor, through um, Zoom or through the phone or in person. So, yeah, you can access all those resources. There are um, four or five free meditations on there that people can access. So, yeah, I encourage you to go to desertjewel.org and look, see what's there for you. Oh, well, thank you, Lynn. Lynn, but the awakening, again, the awakening is just really just truly finding out who you are because, as such, um, I think you have previously said it, that the physical you is actually an illusion. Yeah. Yeah, I say some pretty bold things. So, yeah, you do. I think, well, I'm sorry, say that again. I say you, you say things that have a person thinking that makes you just sit down and ponder, like, wait a minute, hold on, let me get my journal out on this. I see. Yeah, thank you for that. So I think that in truth we are spirit and that we create with with creator this experience, these bodies, these lives, and we do it in order to grow. It's, in fact, I even think about it in terms of um, the angels say, that you want to have this physical experience because we grow so much being here with all the trials and tribulations of living on earth. So illusion is um, a a pretty big concept, but I do think it helps for us to think of it as we're spirit, we're creating and being a part of this experience in order to grow. And, you know, I think that's also part of why it can be so hard being on earth and living here and why we need spiritual practice and good books and friendship and faith to get through it. You do. You have to have something like like you, we previously discussed. You have to have something. Um, yeah. I, I can't put off on anybody what to believe in, but you need something, personal development, some spiritual guidance to get you through. You can't do this alone down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was hearing recently that the suicide rates are increasing, not just for our veterans, but for people mm-hmm. all over the country. I, you know, I'm not sure why that's happening. I think that 
uh, being alive is difficult, but for some reason it's gotten worse. And people are choosing to take their own lives. And I certainly would recommend pick up another good book. My Living Hope book is about things that make a difference so that we can live and be happy. And I can say that because I was really unhappy and had depression at one time. And now I get to be a light in other people's lives sometimes. What an amazing thing. And I think anybody can have that. I think anybody can have the life that they want. It does take a little work, but it's worth it. It is, and it does take it takes tons of work to actually get to that state of point. The problem is with most people, they look at other people's lifestyle and think that it's supposed to be like peaches and cream. Oh, you got that. Not knowing the struggle or what they had to go through to get there. Yeah. You have to stop looking at everybody's chapter. They might be in Chapter 5 and you're just in Chapter 1. You have to take your time to get to Chapter 5, and that's that's the thing. And I feel like whatever you hold up here, that's why I always go back to mindset. Whatever you hold up here, you project out. So if you choose to hold negativity, you're going to project negativity out there. You have to have that positivity up there. Your engine flows wherever the positivity yes. goes to, um, to me. So, yes. you know, it's so, it's so much. Yes. Lynn, I do. I appreciate you for being here. I'm hoping everybody gets this book. Now, is this book on Amazon, and can they go to Barnes & Noble if they want to? Yes, it's available through several sources. It's um, You can even order it through my website, the oh. uh, desertjewel.org website. And, again, the name of the book, book is A Journey with Matthew, and it is spelled M-A-T-I-T-Y-A-H-U. Journey with Matthew, Book One, Awakening. And I think that um, it's a very sweet story, and that they'll enjoy it. I believe so, too. I believe this is going to definitely be an enjoyable book to have on your shelf. I can't wait for book number two to come out and always have you back on, Lynn. It took Lynn and I a while because I kept having mid-tabs. I'm like, oh. God, I can't get my land back on, so I'm glad. That's why I'm so excited to have her on because every time she has a book or a novel, it's always so good and inspiring. I tell you, you just don't know what you're getting when it comes with land. It's a wonderful experience. But before anybody leaves me, you know, i got to give my truth for the day, and this is with a former guest on my show, and now she's also a friend, and this is what she mentions today. Your action will always, well, she starts off at, in ways to inspire and motivate. Your action will always speak louder than your words, and we all know that. While kind words are always nice, when those words are not followed up with appropriate action, your loved ones will doubt your sincerity. I'm going to repeat that again for most of you out here. While your kind words are always nice, when those words are not followed up with appropriate action, your loved ones will doubt your sincerity. Rather than trying to convince others to change their behavior, you can simply choose to let their action speak for them. Be willing to accept and embrace others for who they are, regardless of your differences. Today, express compassion and tolerance so you can make the world a better place. Enjoy the day. And if you listen to the replay, listen to that again. There is so much out of that, and I just feel like I experienced that within this whole week. So this is a very true um, truth for the day, and I'm hoping to see you again, Lynn, on my show again when your book, too, comes out. 
Thank you, Technicia. I'd love to come back. It's always a pleasure talking with you. It sure is. And don't forget, go and pick up my girl's book, A Journey with Matthew. You will not be displeased whatsoever. It's going to be very enlightening. And and maybe when you call, maybe when the next show comes out, you call in and give me a testimony. Let us know. I'm always listening for testimonies. We love to hear that how the show may have affected you in a way, what value did it add to your life. But I'll see you, my listeners, the next time on the Bright Side with Technician. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 